Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Success Insight podcast. Our guest today is Eric Siegel. Eric is the author of Not Yet, a literary psychological fiction novel on suicide. Eric has taught for several years at the Colorado School for the Deaf and Blind. He currently serves as a contributing writer for the Pueblo Chieftain, Colorado's oldest daily newspaper, and has volunteered as a crisis counselor at the Pueblo Suicide Prevention Center, which is now closed, and the Pueblo Rape Crisis Services Center. Eric, welcome to the Success Insight Podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. There's a lot going on here, Eric, and this topic of suicide, not the easiest topic to talk about. And I guess the best place to start is at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about your background and help create some context around your work. And what was the compelling reason to want to write this book? Right. How did I get here? A lot of this started when I started volunteering for the Suicide Prevention Center here in Pueblo, Colorado. And I, I volunteered there for about two years before they closed. And there was just a, a lot of amazing, very difficult experiences. And I had I had been volunteering for a number of years in different avenues, the soup kitchen and the library, and kind of working my way towards something. And I wasn't sure, but suicide prevention kind of called to me. And so that experience led to... I think I had to write about it. I had to get those that that story out, that pain out. I had to write about it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious. A couple of questions on the the suicide prevention center. I, I'm curious on how someone gets to the center with the intent of wanting to volunteer there. And and, and I and I mean this with all humility. It's a it's a it's a center, uh, an organization that does phenomenal work. There are centers throughout the U.S. and the world. What compels someone to go into a center and say, hey, I'd like to learn more or volunteer, to volunteer here? Or, and once you're there, what are they looking for in a volunteer? Really, when you were asking that question, I was thinking about in the 1950s, Chad, Chad Barras started the, the Samaritan in England, and I think he was in London. And he was, he was a, a clinician, a therapist, and he would have people come into his office. Sometimes he'd have a waiting line. People were waiting to get in to see him. And so he had like a volunteer, maybe uh, someone who worked in the office with him, not a trained professional necessarily. And they would just sit and talk to a person in crisis who was, who was waiting in his office. Someone who's maybe experienced recent trauma or was currently experiencing suicidal ideation. And he realized that them just talking to someone for 10, 15 minutes, by the time they, he was able to see them in his office in a professional manner, they felt this, this relief. They were like, well, I don't need to see you, doctor. I can go home now. And I just thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe I can do something. I, you know, I'm not a, a clinician. I, I didn't, my, my, my training in, in the university was not in psychology or, 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 or social work. And I just, my own kind of personal experience with friends and family who uh, I've lost to 
to suicide and and my own when I was a teenager and in my early twenties, my my suicide attempts and my struggle with depression for most of my life. So those combinations, I guess, to directly answer your questions, experiences personally, but then also realizing that anybody can help if if you're able to listen and that's sometimes that's all it takes. And that's a, I think it's a powerful message. Sure. And what were they looking for in a volunteer? You know, you go into a lot of nonprofits and you look at job postings for that matter. And there's a, a litany of wishes. This is what we want somebody with these skills, this expertise. And is that the same as if they were looking for a volunteer? Someone who listens, able to be empathic a little bit, just to not offer advice. And if you're willing to go through a, a CIT, a crisis intervention training program, it's about 40 hours long. And that, so they 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 kind of ask some questions to see if you're willing and able to go through this 40 hour training session. So I went through that, and I just started reading everything they they had in the office from Durkheim's work over 100 years ago to to some kind of the current research on suicide prevention. And they offered all the resources. It just takes someone who's willing to take phone calls late at night, early in the morning, weekends. This time of the year. Yeah, that's it. The holidays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This time of year, holidays. I think April is the month with the, the highest rate of suicides. Why that? Why April? Well, <laughs> T.S. Eliot said April is the cruelest month. And I think it's something about the world has, you know, it's been cold. You've made it through the winter. People are experiencing that seasonal affective disorder, perhaps. You know, there's a bit of a depressive mood that kind of lingers through maybe January, February. And then spring comes and and people are outside and running and, and people are falling in love in, in the springtime. And if you're still feeling that depression, that has that you've been feeling for months and the pain, whatever it is, is psychic pain or physical or emotional pain, if you're still experiencing that and the world is waking up, but you're still dead inside, then there's something about April. Okay. Now you, you mentioned early on when you were engaging with the center that you started to do writing there or as a result of your activities there. Did you know in the moment, I have a book in me, I want to write something and maybe I don't know what it is. Now I'm here at the center. I have a desire to sit there and help and serve the organization, serve the the, the individuals calling in. Did you set out to do the writing or did the writing just kind of evolve as you started to engage with the, the callers and kind of hear their stories? I had written a number of books over the years. I try to finish up a project every June 1st. That was kind of my goal, just to put out a manuscript once a year. And I was pretty successful at that. And I would send it off to publishers and, and never hear back from anybody. And I just kept writing. So I was, in the, I was in the habit, and I was journaling a lot of those experiences with the Suicide Prevention Center, just to kind of to get it out and to, to get some clarity and also step away from it. And also at the time, my, my grandmother, who is featured as the center, I think, of, of the, the novel that I've written. So she was, she was here with my family here in Pueblo, and she was suffering from Alzheimer's. And she was in her you know, mid-90s, and so we knew she was dying. 
so that experience and then working at the suicide prevention center and then her coming to me and saying, listen, I'm in pain. I'm losing my mind. I don't want to go like this. I want to die with dignity. And assisted suicide was not legal in Colorado at that time, but it, it, there was there was legislation for that. So it was coming and it did pass a few years ago. So here I was working at the suicide prevention, trying to prevent people from from harming themselves and, and from completing suicide. And then here's my grandmother asking her to uh, help to die. And so that that juxtaposition in my heart, the novel just came out. That is amazing. And I was actually curious how much of your life experience informed the creation of the story. And, and, and there we have it. Right. And I, t- I tell people, you know, it's fiction, so it's 99% true. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you write what you know. I mean, I remember, you know, we've always heard that, write what you know, but I wrote who I am and I'm not sure that's the right way to do it, but that's, that's how I did it. So. Okay. Okay. I shared with you when we did our initial intake and I guess you don't get to be in your fifties and not have somebody take their life or die of, die of a heart attack, die of cancer, get hit by a car, et cetera, et cetera. So within the past couple of years, suicide has been an event, not a, not a direct event, first, first or second person, but it had been an event, people I do know. And it's always a shock when it happens. And, and you see it on prime time when Robin Williams or the, the chef, I forget his name, or the woman, the, the clothing designer. Anthony Bourdain, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Then the, yeah, Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade, right? Yeah. yeah. It, well, I guess what I can say is we were talking earlier, and this does happen when I, people they say, oh, you wrote a book, that's wonderful. You know, what's it about? And I say, well, it's about suicide. And they, one of two things happens. They either, they, that nervous laugh or, and they turn away and they go, oh, that's great. Or they turn towards me and they say, I too, you know, or, I, I have an experience and, and they, it becomes very personal, very, very immediately. You know, they say, I, I lost my father. I lost, you know, or my cousin, or I know someone, my best friend. And so it doesn't become necessarily about the book anymore. It's not about me, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, we're having a conversation about loss and pain and, and the questions that arise from suicide. And they're kind of seeking answers and without even knowing that all of a sudden that's how the conversation is taken. I think that's, that's extremely important. I think maybe that's why I wrote it because it is, it's, you're right. People are talking about it. Okay. I do want to dive a little deeper into the book, into its construction. And you've, you've shared somewhat of the story is, is loosely based on it's you. It's your, you're talking about your grandmother, the central character in the book that, that wants to right. you know, take her, have her, you know, basically go upstairs. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. That's right. If you could put yourself in the shoes of the consumers of this book, They've gone far enough to say, you know, okay, it's about suicide. It's a book of fiction. I want to read it. I'm sure. Let, let me see what I could get from this book. Is there an insight? You know, maybe it's just a good way to speed read through the holidays. What would your hope be for folks that are reading this book? Is there a move at the end or an idea, a thought that you would like your readers to take away from the book? I don't know about speed reading. I mean, it's it's 400 pages, isn't it? There's a lot in it. It's a little longer. It's a little longer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but, you know, it's a lot in it. But I do try to present some some difficult issues about suicide and about about self-harm about depression and then really trying to 
punctuate that with humor or somehow to relieve that tension with laughing at sometimes the absurdity of life. And so I really trying to that play of using humor to kind of get through this. But that's not, you know, that's not what I think people walk away from. I've had some people who have read the advanced review copies and I've had some wonderful reviews. And right on the cover, I mean, not yet. The title, it just kept coming up to me. And I hope that's the message that maybe they, if they too are struggling, that they're not isolated, they're not alone, that their experiences are not singular, that here I, I've written something down and that they identify with that. And deep into the night, if they're reading a passage and they, they read something and it just allows them to think, okay, maybe tonight I won't take my life or I won't hurt myself that, you know, not yet. And I think that may be a temporary solution, but it, it hopefully will help people get through that, that suicidal moment. Cause I don't think people are suicidal. I think we experience events and trauma that cause us to have suicidal thoughts and sometimes unfortunately act on them. So not yet. I, that's, I think that's what I keep coming back to. That's very good. And we had been chatting before we actually kicked off the podcast and I had shared this morning, I was off to a meeting. I was sitting in a, in a coffee shop and just reading a book actually written by another one of my guests. And something just jumped out at me because I was kind of mixing the book and its topic, which was cancer, with the topic of which you and I were going to chat with today, because I was really looking forward to this afternoon, sitting down, kind of taking a good look at the book, reading passages to kind of get a sense of the story, get a sense of who you are. And I remember reading this quote in the book, in this book that I was reading this morning, and it was basically falling down and then getting back up. And then this idea of the not yet kind of spoke to me. Okay, so to me, the falling down, getting back up is not yet. You know, I, I've, for whatever reason, I'm going to get back up. And, and, and I think that, you know, the opportunity is for, for, as you just said, is to, there are ways around the, the, the thoughts and whether it's through calling the hotline, through just getting on the phone to, to speak to a friend, going out for a walk in the fresh air. One of my close friends just brought her four-legged ball of fluff to visit me, Sammy, and go take your dog for a walk, you know, uh, just, just get out there. And both of those, these topics kind of were like a, a two rivers at their confluence together. You're right about falling down though. I mean, because we do, you know, we do become overwhelmed and that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's something that we have, we can accept that. That's yeah, we get back up and we get strong again, but we do, we do fall down. I think that's, you're right. That's, it's, it's important to realize that. What are some of the comments about the book? And not, not necessarily the folks that, that kind of, oh, you wrote a book, you know, what's it about? But what is the sense you have of what people are saying about the book, the folks that have read it? I think the general consensus is that it's real. It's powerful. I think that it, it's really bringing up a topic that people have been thinking about and that They've, they've had these thoughts of, of when, when people are going through crisis. We've all had some difficult times or, or been, in, been in crisis. But as, I think as people are reading it, that it's, I guess, like I said, um, that they're not alone. They're like, oh, this is, this, is a, this is a common experience. You know, here it is in a book. It must, it must be, if it's in print, it must be true, I think. And so 
there's that sentiment. And so here, here's these, these experiences and these feelings and the reaction to those, to that trauma and that it's funny. And that, and that I was really surprised about that, this humor that I had, and it's not necessarily like a gallows humor, but just a way to kind of to deal with it and kind of move past it. Excellent. Excellent. I'm curious, Eric, you mentioned earlier, every June 1st, you had the goal of creating a manuscript and you and I are maybe not exactly the same age range, but you've been writing for a while. We've been around the block a few times and you've submitted a whole bunch of manuscripts. And I love the story. You had an article in LinkedIn and and I, I, I totally appreciate your you're using LinkedIn. I mean, you know, there's so many people have it and they don't use it, but you wrote a nice article there about getting so used to the thank you for submitting your manuscript, but thank you, but yeah, thank you, but right. (laughs) (laughs) And then now it's, you get the letter back from Harvard square editions and how'd you feel? Well, that's, that's a, it's a great story. And I just, I was just really fortunate. I mean, there was, there was some lucky timing, but also very unfortunate timing in a, in a sense, but I would finish a manuscript every June 1st and then I would send it out to 50 or hundred publishers. And then generally you don't hear anything. And it's like, you know, like you said, if, if you do hear back, it's the thank you. But so I had sent off my manuscript on June, June 1st of last year. So that was 2018. And then I went to China for a few weeks and I didn't have access to email because that's how China is sometimes. And so I I, I wasn't taking my email. Now, in that week or two that I was gone, that's when Anthony Bourdain completed suicide, and that's when Kate Spade as well completed suicide, kind of in that week. And so publishers were, he was all over the news, and then they received my manuscript uh, on suicide. And so I got, I heard back from about a, about a dozen or so different publishing houses who were interested because I had sent out a query letter and they said, we'd love to see your manuscript. I knew something had happened. You know, there was, this was, this was different. Well, that that's, that's interesting. And you're right. It's like, it's great news, but it's also accompanied by some circumstances. That, Sadness. Yeah. yeah. What um, were, were the compelling reasons around working with like Harvard Square Editions. And I, I mean, there are so many authors out there. I mean, we found you via our LinkedIn activity, the, you know, the sponsored in-mails. And self-publishing is, is the way to go these days. Getting a publisher, working with a publisher, sometimes it's hard. And again, circumstances uh, kind of were fortunate in the, in the moment. What was the experience of working with a publisher to bring your book to fruition? Harvey Square Editions has been amazing from, from the very beginning. And I, I was very keen on working with them. I'd heard about them, but I, I looked them up. And, and they're an independent small publishing house out of Los Angeles. I think they're in Hollywood. And they have a number of authors around the world, really socially conscious authors that they're promoting. So I think someone from Nigeria and China and a number of authors here in the United States, and they have international distribution. And they're just... They, re- they really want to take your work and help you mold it and become the best that it can. And, you know, realizing that as the author, I, I do have control over this and the f- kind of the final say, but they have some amazing advice and, and the editors that I worked with and they get back to me right away with emails. I mean, everything you would want as an author, someone kind of pushing you, 
but not forcing you to make certain decisions and great communication. And so the, kind of those, there was two or three publishers are looking at, but Harvard Square Editions was just, was my first choice, which was nice. Oh, yeah. And I would also say resilience, persistence, and personal power. It's like, you know, I got this. It's going to happen. And some of this is just mindset as well. And I'm thinking, and I don't recall during our initial discovery call to plan this podcast, so I'm about to put you on the spot. So oftentimes we'll ask our authors, hey, you know, would you like to read a passage from the book? That's something you're interested in. And mind you, a lot of the books we've been featuring on our podcast recently have been children's books. And so they lend themselves very nicely to a short little passage. Having said that, is there a a passage in the book that we could get you to read? I'd really like to perhaps just read the first page, the kind of the prologue. And people have responded to that in many different ways. So why don't I just jump into it here? Perfect. Let's do it. Help me die. After 10 years at the Suicide Prevention and Crisis Hotline Center, Aaron found his grandmother's request impossible. She held out a pillow and asked again. I can't do it alone, Eve said. My memory is fading. When Colorado legalized assisted suicide, Aaron's job as a crisis counselor became complicated. Friends and family started asking for help. Prevention turned to permission. Cover my face, she said, clutching the pillow. I won't struggle. Here, let's practice. Aaron leaned out into the hall of the Ponsetta nursing home. The staff was busy serving lunch to a hundred residents. Please don't make me, he pleaded. My mind is slipping. Soon I won't recognize you. I'm ready to go upstairs. Aaron knew she meant heaven, but liked to joke with her. Downstairs is warmer. Like this, she said, (laughs) pressing the pillow down on her face. Her emerald eyes peeked above the edge with a playful sparkle. As he pressed down slightly, her eyes went flat and gray. Her memory flickered. Bony hands grasped the sides, nails clawing for life. She forcefully pushed the pillow away from her face. Honey, why are you trying to suffocate me? Aaron couldn't kill his grandmother. Not yet. Oh, my. That is so powerful. Wow. That's the first page. All right. All right. Well, I think I now have two books on my list between now and the New Year's. I've actually gotten through two of them already via the Thanksgiving holiday. Actually, one of them, it was a a book called um, Glamorous. It was a paranormal thriller about this woman who uh, got into a car accident and killed her brother. And I won't say exactly what happened, but needless to say, there was a, a, a couple pages conversation about suicide there, which again, brought me right back to, oh, I'm having this conversation with you today. And so the, uh, you know, you start having one conversation and all their conversations. Oh, okay. About yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing. Listen, uh, Eric, I, I think this has been fun it's to have you on the podcast to talk about you, your work, your passion, and I'm sure we could go on and on because we really haven't talked about you. Like, I guess the question we want should ask, like right now, is now that your book is going to be coming out uh, in another week or two, correct? Next Wednesday, December 11th, it'll be available on Amazon, and it comes out. Yeah, fantastic. So by the time we publish the podcast. 
podcast. We'll have the links back to the book page. That's fantastic. Most definitely, you want to kind of be in the moment of being able to to relish the this. Hey, I'm a published author. I have this book. Now start scheduling the the speaking tours, the book signings, etc. Do you have a sense though? of what's next for you? What's next? What's next? In the Shona people of Zimbabwe, they have a word for depression. It's called kufungisisa. It means thinking too much. And I, I kind of don't want to think too much about it because then we get overwhelmed or we get this white static. And I like that. <laughs> yeah. And I think I'm just going to let this kind of happen. Um, you know, I, I am attempting to promote it. And the publisher's Harvard Square Edition has been wonderful, really connecting me with the right people. I try to get some excellent reviews. And the book tour, the book tour is always kind of a strange thing because you can show up at a bookstore and there's nobody there. It's just you and your book. So that can be that can be disheartening. But I, I, I will have a book launch on January 11th here, here in Pueblo. I'm holding it at Blowback Art Gallery. So that'll be kind of, that's the launch. I'll have the book available. And I hope to make that more of a collaborative effort hearing other people's experience with suicide instead of me talking. You know, I'd I'd like to hear other people too. Very good. Very good. Well, definitely if you get to Chicago, do let me know. And there was a question that that I wrote a little note because I wanted to get to it before we end the show. The, the Pueblo Suicide Prevention Center has closed. Is anything in your area, replaced it? Is everything going back to, I mean, you're, I don't know how far, I know Pueblo is in Colorado, Denver is in Colorado, therefore there's probably some distance between the two. Is, is anything replaced the uh, suicide prevention services in the Pueblo area or is everything back to, to Denver? Almost everything's in Denver. There's the Rocky Mountain Suicide Prevention Center in Colorado Springs, which is just about 50 miles north of here. But in in Pueblo, I'm, I'm part of the Suicide Prevention Coalition of Pueblo County, and we are working on a suicide response team here in Pueblo to work with first responders. So when the police and the fire department is called to a scene of a completed suicide, we would have our team, our suicide response team on scene as well. And there's also the, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-TALK. That's kind of the national Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which I think will soon be a 988 or there's a, there's a, there's a push for a, a, a national three-digit number for a crisis intervention for, for suicide prevention, things like that. So that's, that's coming. Okay. Good, good. Well, it's it's good to hear that there are services still within your your vicinity and the work that you're doing. I mean, it's just it's so needed. And just given the the the, the amount of churn that is going on in our society, the pressures that are, that we seem to be confronted with, some of our own, not always of our own volition, and but they they just show up and. And sometimes life does get a little bit overwhelming. And so these services are so necessary. Listen, Eric, before we end the podcast, I want to make sure if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, where are the best places for them to go? I do have an author's webpage. That is my name, ericsegal.com. That's E-R-I-K-S-E-G-A-L-L.com. And so that's some of the manuscripts I've been working on, the the, the book is uh, is there as, as, as well, and some information about me. The book will be available on Amazon. My Twitter, Twitter is my name, I think. Okay. Are you active on, I mean, you did publish that really nice article on LinkedIn. Are you active on LinkedIn as well? 
I, I am. I am on LinkedIn. Yes, I can be found there. And I, I do put my blogs on, on Twitter two or three times a month. But yeah, LinkedIn has been a, been a great, great resource. And then there was also uh, someone else you interviewed recently, I think in September, Lori Van. I was listening to her. You mentioned her. Yeah, yeah. you mentioned her when we were speaking. Lori Van. So, yeah. but you know, at, at some point, you know, now that I have, I'll have this podcast and I can send her a link and maybe in the future, the both of us could come back on and continue our conversation with you. That's possible about, she talked a lot about self-injury with caregivers and, you know, I'm with suicide prevention. So it just seemed to be a, a, a nice fit. I, I think that's a great idea. Let's definitely put that in motion, see if we can make it happen. And and I remember with uh, Lori is the podcast was very short. I think at the, the time we we did about 15, 20 minutes. I mean, we literally could have kept going. So yeah, let's see what, let's see what we can make happen. And, and I actually love the idea of having multiple guests on with me to talk about a topic. And you, know, you guys can be the conversation. I'll just sit here and listen and Ask a witty, ask a witty question every once in a while. But uh, yeah, no, you're you're a great guy. Though. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Eric. Stay on for just a minute while we do our sign off. But before I, I do that, is just thank you so much for taking the time uh, out of your day to to spend with us. Of course, yeah. Thank you. All right, folks, we have just been chatting with Eric Siegel. Eric's the author of the soon to be published book, Not Yet, a literary psychological fiction novel on suicide and we will provide you links so you can learn more about eric and the book we've got his website ericsegel.com we've got linkedin his twitter we'll provide the links back to the book page on amazon and we'll even provide a link back to harvard square edition so you can learn more about the publisher that, that eric worked with to get this wonderful work of fiction out into the public. So enjoy. It's a hefty topic. And again, this morning to to my family and friends who I probably freaked out just a little bit, falling down, getting back up and the holiday season, it's it's rough one. And I will admit that too. It's rough. But hey, we fall down, we get back up and if anything, go out there and read a couple good books and listen to some podcasts because they're there too. So when I say all these episodes, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there, have a phenomenal day and check in with your family, check in with your friends and just listen and just be there with them in the moment. Okay. We'll see you on the next episode of the Success Insight Podcast. Take care now. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.